When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can you raise your fist and say, towards the fun? I wouldn't raise my fist. R- raise a chicken? You could raise a pig or <laughs> if it wasn't too heavy. <laughs> Besides, they eat a lot. Uh, chickens uh, are somewhat hilarious geese. Welcome to American Prankster, the rivetingly incredible, historically fascinating life story of Wavy Gravy, original beatnik, hippie icon, comedy pioneer, and pioneering activist who uses humor as a weapon. I'm producer Rainbow Valentine, a.k.a. Thessaly Lerner, and this is bonus episode number two. Uh, how about a platypus? That was my takeaway from visiting Australia. I was lucky enough to nail down original beaten a icon comedy pioneer and pioneering activist Wavy Gravy for 15 hours of interviews during the height of this century's first pandy in 2020. The initial 11 episodes of Amprank are somewhat linear as I tried to share Wavy's story mostly chronologically. Alert, the bonus episodes are not linear, not chronological, just more weird, wonderful, and historic stories from my friend, mentor, and inspiration, Wavy Gravy, and other counterculture psychedelic pioneers of all generations. So I don't set out to make the bonus episodes with a goal. The thesis reveals itself three quarters of the way through the edit, and this episode turned out to be about Wavy and his celebrity friends. Me and my celebrity friends, we're gonna change the world for the better. Me and my celebrity friends will wear matching celebrity sweaters. Don't you worry, regular friend, because I won't forget you unless you turn into a total asshole. And here we go, down under into Australia. I forget how I got there, but I was very enamored with the platypus. Even saying the word platypus put a chuckle in whatever bleak moment that you were festering. Look, a platypus! All you had to do was pat a platypus and everything would uh, become fun. Mother platypus is the only mammal which supplies milk through large pores onto her fur. The babies then suck the fur. The male platypus is the only venomous furred animal in the world. Tell me about Australia. Oh, down under. I forget how I even got there, but I did. <laughs> That's where I fell in love with the platypus. Were you there to do a show? God, what do I remember? We did some huge shows. Uh, where? Yeah, absolutely. We were there to do some shows. We did a bunch of shows in this huge tent, enormous tent. And uh, we brought in Bo Diddley. 
Bo Diddley, 1928 to 2008, was an American guitarist and singer who played a major role in the blues to rock and roll transition, influencing musicians like Buddy Holly, The Beatles, and The Rolling Stones. That's some Bo Diddley. I think Bo Diddley, it was a Seva benefit that Bo Diddley played at. He was managed by two very nice lesbians that were always looking out for his best interests. A lot of people didn't know that. In fact, uh, I don't ever remember sharing it with anybody until now. But they were a couple of really nice women who had uh, Bo Diddley's interest at heart and always saw that he was accommodated. else you can remember at the shows down under uh no (laughs) did you experience kangaroos yes and uh john knocked down a wallaby but don't tell anybody (laughs) she she's not her favorite memory (laughs) which is sort of like a a kangaroo which is uh, having a growth problem they're kind of squat and i'm not going to pursue that (laughs) Or I'll get in trouble. And the last thing I want to do is get in trouble with Ja. But yes, uh, Australia was great, enormous fun. And we had wonderful shows in this big, giant, enormous circus tent. They really had the tent thing down because it could really rain in Australia. I mean, down under. It could be a deluge. But it was no problem because of these amazing tents. It worked so very, very well. If you were wavy gravy, the moon was made of green cheese, and the interstellar medium was made of chocolate pudding, would you play a part? Open up your heart. If we were wavy gravy, central casting there's no use in asking the only dance there is a soda top with this a root beer floater well I've reached my quota when we were wavy gravy So, as Wavy is a comedian living in the San Francisco Bay Area, I was curious if you knew comedy icon Robin Williams. Now, unless you are an alien visitor to planet Earth, you know that Robin Williams was an iconic American improviser, comedian, and movie star. We've come to this planet looking for intelligent life. Oops, we made a mistake. Best known for playing Mork from Ork, Mrs. Doubtfire, and our friend Patch Adams in the fictionalized biopic. Side note, for more on Robin Williams and Patch Adams, listen to The Best Day of My Life, Patch Adams' Journey to the Nobel Peace Prize nomination podcast. And back to me and Wavy. 
Were you friends with Robin Williams? Of course. Tell me about that, your friendship with Robin. We got invited to his, his 30th birthday, 30th or 40th, one of those. Robert uh, Greengrass, no longer of this orb, and I went to Robin's 30th birthday party. And I drove from uh, Camp Winter Rainbow with Robert at the wheel. Wavy's talking about Robert Greygrass an actor, Lakota Sioux medicine man, and the martial arts teacher at Camp Water Rainbow for over 20 years, who tragically died in a car crash in 2013. Back to Wavy and Robin Williams' birthday party. But yeah, we got there, and uh, I spent a lot of time in a hot tub with Glenn Close. For the kids and aliens out there, Glenn Close is an American actress best known for the movies Fatal Attraction, 101 Dalmatians, and Dangerous Liaisons, among many others. I hate to interrupt you guys. I just got to get back to work. Okay, so this story got interrupted by our pal Zappo, a second-generation hog farmer who helped facilitate recording with Wavy. We'll do it later. Yeah. Willem Dafoe there as well. Zappo just reminded Wavy that movie star Willem Dafoe was also at this Robin Williams birthday party hot tub event. Yeah, we'll pick up at you and Glenn Close in a hot tub. Yes, okay, here we are. <laughs> Getting close to Glenn Close, huh? I, I did. And then uh, I tried to reconnect, and it never happened. But who knows? <laughs> it's always the future. It's an amazing day. You and Glenn Close in a hot tub at Robin Williams' birthday party. 30 years old he was. I'm going to stop the recording? Yes. Yes, we're done. We're uh, done. I'll see you next time. Good one, Thess. Good one, Huevos Rancheros. Adios. Peace and love. And Huevos Side note, I started calling Wavy Huevos Rancheros in my head during our interview hours together, which luckily, thanks to Zappo and a few others, was ongoing. So I got the rest of this Robin Williams birthday party hot tub story. We ended last recording at Robin Williams birthday party. Oh my God, I remember that. I was uh, in a hot tub with Glenn Close, which was kind of cool. And I missed a lot of the birthday party. Except the cake. And the cake was cut, like, from, I think, Fatal Attraction? Fatal Attraction is an iconic 1980s movie about a female stalker played by Glenn Close. So we have to assume this Robin Williams 30th birthday party was around 1987 when Fatal Attraction came out. And they stabbed the cake like it was a person uh, of naughty repute. Side note, as a word nerd, I've got to take a moment to celebrate Wavy's rich choice of language. A person of naughty repute. Love. Now, back to the cake. And they chopped it up. And it was like, you know, Country Joe had this great bumper sticker. Legalized cannibalism. One of my favorites. Wavy means his friend, musician Country Joe McDonald. Best known for singing, I'm fixin' to die at Woodstock. Give me tidbit, I went to Camp Winter Rainbow with Country Joe's kids, Devin and Tara, and Devin now owns Mr. Mops, an iconic toy store in Berkeley, California, just down the street from Wavy's house. Back to Wavy and Robin Williams. 
Any other good stories about your friendship with Robin Williams? Oh, yeah. God, how did that happen? I don't know. We just uh, we just gravitated. Equally weird and, and wonderful times. His 30th birthday there was all the folks that were in the movie Hook. Spielberg was there. Robert De Niro was there. But mostly I was in a hot tub with Glenn Close. And we were just chatting about everything until the the stabbing of the cake, which was hilarious. It's the best birthday ever. I bought you perfect weather sweaters made of manes of unicorns to celebrate your being born. Here's a never-empty cookie jar, an everlasting ice cream bar, a flying superhero car. It's the best birthday ever, and it's only getting better, because celebrate your special day. I bought you endless Saturdays. Wait, that's not all. Here's perpetual vacation pay, a seat on Santa's flying sleigh, magic Jefferson Airplane, one of the most iconic acid rock bands to come out of the San Francisco counterculture scene of the 1960s. The Jefferson Airplane headlined the famed Monterey Pop Festival at Woodstock and Altamont, as we heard about in Episode 8. So the Jefferson Airplane formed in 1965 and split into two different bands by 1971, Hot Tuna and the Jefferson Starship. Now, members of the Jefferson Airplane were Grace Slick, Marty Ballin, ah, trivia tidbit, I own an Aqua Art Deco vinyl couch set that my mom got at Marty Ballin's garage sale. Marty Ballin was the singer-songwriter of the Jefferson Airplane and Starship, and he died in 2018. And the rest of the members of Jefferson Airplane are Jack Cassidy, Paul Kantner, Yorma Kalkin, and Spencer Dryden, who, another trivia tidbit, commissioned my mom to craft him a flying eyeball necklace with talons clutching his old rotted teeth. Now, Spencer Dryden didn't have enough money to pay for the necklace, so my mom still has it, and occasionally she pulls it out if I ask her. You can see a picture of it on my Instagram. Back to Wavy and the Jefferson Airplane. Kantner, I knew forever. And then uh, Yorma and Jack were unto themselves, and we do shows to this day. We're always, uh, this would be hot tuna, yes. And uh, we were always in performance with hot tuna, and I've been very, very close to Yorma through the ages. And Jack Cassidy has the musical eyebrows. Uh, world famous eyebrows of rock and roll. The, the eyebrows would, was an entity unto themselves and they would, uh, dance around when Jack climbed on the bass. Oh my God. And the airplane, you know, Grace, Grace Slick had exploding feet. Not many people know that. What does that mean? That means she could not walk down the beach with her bare feet or they would explode. And, uh, You'd have to look that up medically because uh, 
But she told me about it, you know. So of course I researched it, and there's quite a few things that come up when you Google exploding feet medical. So I'm not going to guess which exploding feet medical issue Grace Slick has, and I'm going to let you, listener, enjoy further researching that one. Email in if you find out anything. Because I did suggest that she、uh, enjoy the beautiful sand on her feet because she had these great boots on. And she explained to me that she had exploding feet. So of course I acquiesced. By all means, <laughs> we don't want your feet to explode. So don't take off those boots. Whatever you do, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> I was one of the few on earth that knew about her exploding feet. And now I've I spilled the beans.、Uh, what else were those guys? I'm trying to remember. Cantner, of course, was my. Dear close good friend, and we did many many things together on my various birthdays. He would、uh, perform with Diane Mangello of、uh, Starship fame. I can't remember who else, but sometimes Grace, Grace and Janice. Grace had a gr- great picture that not Jim Marshall, but、uh, the other photographer took of her wearing a Girl Scout uniform. Wonderful picture. Oh, Grace dressed as a Girl Scout. Yeah, <laughs> and she's always、uh, doing good deeds. Me and my celebrity friends, we're gonna change the world for the better. Me and my celebrity friends will be peace trendsetting setters. But don't you worry, regular friend, 'cause I won't forget you unless you turn into a. Total asshole, or unless my schedule book is celebrity chock full. Check. Did something Check. Go, something go off? Check. Swede, Latvian. Check. Serbo-Croatian. What are we checking? The check, the banker, the drummer. Sly and the Family Stones. Sly and the Family Stone was another iconic San Francisco psychedelic funk band who formed in 1966. Yeah, we did it, and so we we became sort of friends. And he had this whole entourage of、uh, various Family Stones. <laughs> Sly and the Family Stone were fronted by multi-instrumentalist singer-songwriter Sly Stone, and other Stones included Sly's brother Fred, his sister Rose, and four other members for a total of seven Stones. Hence, Sly and the Family Stones, and I was more jiggy with the Stones than I was with Sly. Sly was also a record producer, working with Big Daddy Tom Donahue's label Autumn Records. Now we discussed Big Daddy Tom Donahue in the Medicine Ball Caravan episode number eight. Any adventures come to mind with Sly's Family Stones? Oh, just just Electric Circus times, and when is that guy gonna show up? So the Electric Circus was an infamous nightclub in New York City's East Village, and Wavy used to MC and do security there. It was like an early Burning Man with fire eaters, trapeze artists, psychedelic light shows, and beat poets like Wavy opening for acts like Velvet Underground, The Grateful Dead, Ike and Tina Turner, and of course Sly and the Family Stones. 
Now, in 1970, a small bomb exploded on the dance floor, and the electric circus closed. Now, today, the iconic ballroom has been turned into dot, 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 upscale lofts, of course. And, uh, but then I would uh, just climb on a mic and, and jabber. And then uh, suddenly, Sly is pulled up outside. It's, thank God. And here he is, folks. He'd been waiting patiently, and he would, uh, he was worth it. He, he, he could uh, really uh, let loose great uh, noise and amazement and, and wonder, all Sly could. And I would always appreciate him when he unearthed uh, his awesomeness. <laughs> Okay, so by now, we know Wavy has amazing relationships with many rock stars of the counterculture. And as of this recording in 2023, he's outlived many of his comrades. Next up, a story about two of Wavy's best rock star counterculture friends, one who cruised out way too soon. Wavy, did you ever meet the Beatles or encounter the Beatles? No, no Beatles, but Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young... Side note, listen to episode 5 for more on Wavy's friendship with David Crosby and how the birds figured into his courtship of Johanna in 1966. Of course, needless to say, Jackson. Wavy means Jackson Brown, whose friendship and activism with Wavy was covered in episode 10. And Joan C. Baez, who just did a giant picture of me. And I am gonna, I have a, a log thing that I did of her years ago. She just put a piece of a log, but she doesn't know that yet. So I'm going to try and swap it out so I can get my giant head <laughs> from Joan C. Baez. Yeah, tell me about your friendship with Joan C. Baez. When did you meet her? And tell me about uh, the early years. Oh, my God. It must have been 100 million years ago. Thinking back, back, back into the ozone of the other days. Sometimes my chromosomes have amnesia, you know, and I'm pleading an amnesia here, but... San Francisco? She does. Oh, yeah, it was in the Bay Area for sure. Ooh, I got <laughs> toasted. What you don't hear is the delivery of a piece of buttered toast. Now, back to Wavy's friendship with folk singer Joan C. Baez, best known for Diamonds and Rust, The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down, and other folk songs. She has uh, doves that fly out of her throat. Did you meet her during the committee years, you think? Maybe. Wavy's friend, Joan C. Baez, has been a singer, musician, and social justice activist since 1960 and was one of the performers at Woodstock. She graduated from Palo Alto High School in 1958, and as we learned in previous episodes, Palo Alto is the home of Stanford University, which handed out legal LSD to beatnik kids and artists throughout the 1960s. So I'm going to assume Joan Baez was maybe part of that scene. 
Palo Alto is also where counterculture icon Jerry Garcia, various Grateful Dead, Mary Prankster, and Hug Farmers converged before they were icons in the late 50s and early 60s. Back to Wavy and his friendship with Joan Baez. I used to be real good friends with uh, Joan's sister, Mimi. Mimi Farina, Joan Baez's little sister, was also a singer, songwriter, and activist. Mimi Marimba, we called her. And she was a member of my Spacey company, which was uh, theater games, big time. In the 70s or 80s or 60s? In the 60s, I do believe. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. We would journey about and make shit up. And people would shout out suggestions and we would jump on them and go at it until we got sick of it and then we'd do something else. And it was uh, great fun. Who else was in the Spacey group with Fifi, Fimi Marimba? Me. <laughs> and then it goes into a blur. I have no idea. It needs jogging and prodding. But she was good. And I, I enjoyed playing with her, you know? The calendar that lives in my head is not very reliable. She was married briefly to a great author, Richard Farina, who wrote an amazing book, if you're taking notes. I've been down so long, it looks like up to me is the name of the book. They were married in, in Big Sur, and then he proceeded to go on a motorcycle ride, and he never came back. It was so tragic. Come wander quietly and listen to the wind. Come near and listen to the sky. Come walking high above the roaring of the sea and watch the swallows as they Mimi and Richard Farina. Mimi and Richard Farina were married in 1964 when she was 18. They collaborated on several folk music albums, and his tragic death happened in 1966 when Mimi was only 21. I wanted more information, so I called my mom, who we met in episode four, and who was part of San Francisco's early beatnik to counterculture scene starting in 1960. Here's my mom on her friendship with Mimi Farina. About that, because I can't remember how we met offhand, but she was just about my ne- next door neighbor. I remember meeting her and her telling me about her husband dying and how sad it was and how bummed out she was about it um, that he died in a motorcycle crash. And that whenever she slept with anybody, she couldn't get an orgasm, so she slept with different guys trying to get an orgasm. Oh my God. I'm not going to put that in the podcast. <laughs> Okay, so I decided to keep this detail in the podcast because it's interesting and shows how radical and awesome these psychedelic women were. The women of the counterculture. They were pursuing orgasms and talking freely and openly about it. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The ethos of the counterculture. It's pretty gritty, you know, the story of me. Oh, and then I used to drive her to her ballet class in Monterey. Yep, you heard that right. My mom was Mimi Farina's chauffeur to her ballet class in the 1960s. Did she not know how to drive? 
She didn't know how to drive, right? So I was her driver. That's weird. How'd you get that job? I always had that job because I'm from L.A. Yes, my mom landed in San Francisco in 1960 from L.A., where she grew up drag racing down Van Nuys Boulevard in the 1950s. But that's a whole other story. Back to my mom and Mimi Farina. What did you guys talk about on the drives to Monterey? That's far. That's how I got to know her. What year was that? 64, 65 maybe. I knew her sister because she took me over to Joni's house and we hung out and she knew all the KMPX people. Maybe I met her there. KMPX, where my mom was a chick engineer, was the first rock radio station in the country that played music the way the counterculture kids did at their record parties in San Francisco, one LP after another. Now, KMPX was owned by Big Daddy Tom Donahue, who we talked about in Episode 8, the larger-than-life counterculture record producer who, along with his wife, Rachel Donahue, who we met in Episode 8, produced the Medicine Ball Caravan, which Wavy and the Hog Farm were part of. Now, back to my mom and Mimi Farina. And she knew the Everly Brothers. She sang a lot, you know, around. And she was pretty happy, except for she had this quest, you know, quest for love because she lost her her love. But then I think I can remember after Howard and I split up, I was walking around forlornly around the hill, you know, above the Trieste in North Beach, My mom's talking about breaking up with her husband from the 1960s, Howard Hessman, who was part of the committee with Wavy before becoming famous on TV shows WKRP in Cincinnati and head of the class. And I saw them walking together ahead of me, and they were, like, close, you know, too close. So when she died, you know how the spirit of persons goes around to, you know, make amends and... She came to me in a dream and apologized, and I told her it was okay. We had a pretty close relationship. She was sleeping with your husband? Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. I was pretty sad about it. Because I couldn't compete. She was more beautiful and more famous, you know. And, you know, he's a star fucker, right? Yeah. So that's my my historical background of Mimi Farina. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you bounce back. Do you hear the calling of a hundred thousand boys? Hear the trembling in the stone. Do theater right at that very same like span of time you know and John Brandt and Wavy and Howard and Morgan Upton and Gary Goodrow all were there and she couldn't act but she looked great you know (laughs) and she had star power In 1967, Mimi Farina joined the committee comedy troupe, which is when Wavy was in L.A. with Lenny Bruce, meeting his future wife, Jahanara, and joining the pranksters. But he would go back to San Francisco and do improv with his old friends like John Brent and Mimi Farina. 
So 1967-ish must be when Wavy was doing improv with Mimi Farina. Mimi and I became very, very close and went to Japan together and did all kinds of things in improv. And she was quite a wonder in her time. So in 1968, Mimi married Mylon Melvin, who was a well-known counterculture smuggler who was also part of KMPX, the counterculture radio station, which played the first acid rock in the country. And in episode eight, Rachel Donahue mentions Mylon Melvin being the motorcycled frontman for the Medicine Ball Caravan. Back to my mom. I heard this story about Mylon and Mimi's wedding that Tony bought Mylon an ear... Let's see what it's called. I don't know. His ears stuck out, so she bought him a present for their wedding present that would be uh, an ear pinning. That's what I heard. Just you're telling me that Joan Baez bought Mimi's fiance, Mylon Melvin, an ear surgery to pin his ears back to his head? Yeah. Yeah, so his ears didn't stick out. You can get, like, plastic surgery for your ears. <laughs> Who told you this story? Rachel. Yeah, but Dad, I don't want... <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a gossip. That's a gossipy story. Underground gossip. Gossip from the, um, from the counterculture. <laughs> <laughs> Were you at that wedding? No. Uh-uh. I had dropped out when I was really pregnant with Jude because I didn't want her to be in that scene. I didn't want her to be associated with all the the madness of the uh, of the upheaval of 1969, you know? I didn't go to Altamont, and I didn't, you know, do a lot of stuff. Quick reminder, Altamont was the post-Woodstock West Coast Music Festival we went over in Episode 8, when the Hells Angels beat up the Jefferson Airplane on stage and killed a concert-goer. I didn't go to concerts anymore, you oh. know, because luckily... Mimi and Mylon Melvin divorced in 1971, and she founded Bread and Roses in 1974, a nonprofit that brings live entertainment and music into institutional settings. She had star power, sort of, not like her sister. And then there was their story. They were very close. And then they have a third sister who's like a wallflower. Hmm. And I think her dad taught at Stanford Physics. So that's how they got involved in the in the grapes thing, you know. Grapes? Yeah, they helped the migrant workers, Cesar Chavez and all his crew. They helped him to unionize. That's really famous. That's how Joni got started, like, like really got famous. Cesar Chavez was a Mexican-American civil rights activist and organizer who co-founded the National Farmworkers Association, which became the United Farmworkers Union. And the grapes my mom mentioned is the Delano Grape Strike of 1965 to 1970, which Cesar Chavez helped organize. Now, the Delano Grape Strike fought against the exploitation of farm workers, and Joan Baez and her music are noted for supporting the movement. Besides, she has a fantastic voice. Will you burst on the scene already a legend The unwashed phenomenon The original vagabond You strayed into my arms And there you stayed Temporarily lost at sea The Madonna was yours for free Yes, the girl on the That's Joan Baez. And back to...
to my mom with one more amazing story from this era, circa 1964-65, when Wavy was part of the committee with my mom and all the other crazy, fantastic, weirdo, psychedelic, pioneer visionaries. And I told you about the time in Big Sur we were like at the My mom is talking about Esalen, a well-known retreat center in Big Sur made famous in the final scene of the TV show Mad Men, when Don Draper reinvents himself in a California hippie retreat center. And uh, Joni and Mimi and me were sharing a cabin and doing, like, the baths and stuff at, you know, Esalen. We were all singing together, really having a great old time, and it was about 11.30 or 12 at night. And people started, like, banging on the walls for us to shut up. (laughs) That really happened. And then you have to hear the Morgan Upton story about Esalon. That's in that same era. Morgan Upton was an American actor with a committee with Wavy. And he's best known for being in the movies Peggy Sue Got Married, Tucker the Man and His Dream, and TV shows Laverne and Shirley, The Ewoks, and many more. Morgan Upton died in 1991. And without further ado, the committee goes to Esalen's story with my mom. Committee, like we had a night off, Sunday night off. And so we all decided to go to Esalen, or they did. And I went along, of course, and take the hot tubs. And then it was like two or three in the morning. And then we were kind of like all wiped out. And you have to walk up this. It used to have to walk up this dirt path to the lodges and the rooms and cabins and stuff. It's right at the seashore cliffs, right on, you know, the cliffs where it's like not lit. Esalen and Big Sur is located on the rocky cliffs above the wave-crashing coastline of the famed Pacific Coast Highway Number 1 in California. It's rugged, treacherous, and stunningly beautiful. No light, dark. And Howard and I are walking up, and we're about halfway up, and we hear this noise, help, help, help me. And we look around, and it's Morgan's voice, and then we look over the cliff, and there he is holding on to a shrub. (laughs) And And the rocks and the waves down below are crashing. And so Howard ran up to the lodge. Of course, by Howard, my mom means her former husband, actor Howard Hessman. His friend was the caretaker gopher to get a rope. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. And he runs back down with the rope. I mean, he actually got one and sent it down the cliff to Morgan. Morgan actually wrapped it around himself, and we dragged him up. Oh, my God. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it was the 60s, man. <laughs> should have cut the audio there, but then there was this gem. Were you high on LSD? Well, we were always, so I couldn't, I can't remember. It, we were washed in it for years. Not years, but like maybe three, four years. You know. Oh boy, washed in LSD. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. My full chemical name is dextrolysergic acid diethylamide tartrate 25. But as everyone knows, I'm called LSD for short, though I'm also called acid, and by some highly unflattering names by those who wish I'd never been discovered. Hippies like to take LSD and go to hot springs. Now, before we wrap Mimi Farina's story, here's a great story from Wavy about taking LSD at the hot springs. Well, one time, Elsie uh, gave me a murine bottle of the stuff 
Wavy's talking about Owsley as in Stanley Owsley, the infamous West Coast LSD chemist who was also the sound man for the Grateful Dead. Now, we talked about Owsley in episode four, the Goon King Brothers Dimensional Cremo. Can you share um, about the Goon King Brothers Dimensional Cremo? Oh, you're going to get me in trouble now. Which, you might remember, was the name of Wavy's 1964 LSD peddling side hustle. Back to Wavy and the empty murine bottle given to him by LSD chemist Owsley. By the way, a murine bottle is a vintage glass bottle with a little squeezy eyedropper. And I went to uh, Hot Springs somewhere. I didn't know. I just put some water in it and swished it around because it was empty. And I just chugged that down and obliviated. <laughs> and it was kind of amusing because I was going to go into the uh, hot water. And they called my name. <laughs> and I went into this room and you lower yourself into a bathtub with a rope. And then into into the ooze, and then I just disappeared. I went back to zero, and then I guess it was an hour later. It seemed like eternity. I heard uh, someone saying something, and I, I was underwater, <laughs> and I surfaced, and they were fetching me, and there was a sheriff there, and he had uh, demons coming out of his nose. <laughs> But I just toughed it out and slithered off to uh, Buffalo and uh, hid <laughs> until I uh, got less altered. And then I strolled about and uh, returned to existence. It was quite nice. Now that we've wrapped the LSD Hot Springs rabbit hole, back to folk singing icons Mimi Farina and Joan Baez. Joan, who as of this recording in 2023, is alive, thriving, and painting up a storm. Now, Mimi tragically died in 2001 when she was 56. She died too early of cancer, that snatcher of souls. And I miss her terribly. She was one of the space eaters. And my team was never complete without Mimi. And she also sang like an angel. We did all kinds of things, and oh well. Stuff comes and goes. That's the way of stuff. That old batter clown. It's good to have him around. Love will prop him up when the world tries to knock him down. That old batter clown. He's rolling round the bend He's everybody's friend That battered clown That old battered clown He's riding on the bus He's someone you can trust And he's just like all of us That old battered clown Everybody's friend Good to see him again That old clown Thanks for listening to American Prankster. Now, I'm making this series for free because I believe in Wavy's story. If you can financially support this, Google Wavy Gravy Podcast GoFundMe to donate. And you can find more of my podcasts at rainbowvalentine.com, bonus content at patreon.com slash rainbowvalentine, and more at facebook.com slash rainbowvalentinelemur, like the animal, L-E-M-U-R, and instagram.com slash rainbowvalentinelemur. Plus my not-so-secret Instagram, the Yuku Lady.
American Prankster is executive produced by Rainbow Valentine Studios. Eric Hober, Larian Gerger Brilliant, God and Company, Thessaly Lerner, Rainbow Valentine, and Wavy Gravy. And sponsored by Levy Informatics at levyinformatics.com. Laughter is the valve on the pressure cooker of life. If you don't laugh at stuff, you end up with your beans on the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what we're into. Bonus episode number two, written, edited, narrated, produced, and scored by me, Cecily Lerner, a.k.a. Rainbow Valentine. With original music by Will Collins, Hope for a Golden Summer, The Ukulele, and Noodle McDoodle. Mixed and mastered by Brian Slusher. Associate producers are Trina Calderon, Sage Leem, Zappo Dickinson, John Did Sykes, Johanna Romney, Mark Margolis, and Logo by Jordan Paisano. Special thanks to this episode's guest, my mom, Kathy Mason Lerner, and appreciation to all the Do Re Me budget donors, our partners at Pantheon Podcasts, and you, our listener, plus the incomparable Wavy Gravy. Raise a glass to the downfall of evil and towards the fun. For more, go to patreon.com slash rainbowvalentine. And don't miss Wavy guest starring as Ro the Rowboat in my kids' music podcast, Toon Tales, streaming everywhere pods stream. Thanks for listening. You're the best. I'm gonna knock, knock, knock on Chris Rock's trailer door when I'm on his show. And Chris Rock will invite me in and Chris Rock will drop his drawers and Chris Rock Show me his giant cotton candy stash And we'll snack on cotton candy And wear fake mustaches And become the best of friends And we'll pretend we're grilled cheesitarians And our private chef will grill the best grilled cheese we've ever had Me and my Friends, we're gonna change the world for the better. Me and my celebrity friends will wear matching celebrity sweaters. But don't you worry, regular friend, cause I won't forget you unless you turn into a total asshole. I'm gonna cozy up to Michelle Obama when the Obamas know who I Michelle will sew us matching lunch meat suits And we'll look so cute And through our mutual love for harmony We'll make corruption obsolete Me and my celebrity friends We're gonna change the world for the better Me and my celebrity friends Will wear leisure suits of pleather But don't you worry, regular friend Cause I won't forget Jimmy Carter with Wonder Woman cake and peanut butter ice cream and we'll make sick children's dreams come true Me and my celebrity friends we're gonna change the world for the better Me and my celebrity friends will be peace trendsetting setters. But don't you worry, regular friend, cause I won't forget you unless.
unless my schedule book is celebrity chock full.